and welcome to It's a Musical Podcast, the podcast show where I force my fiancé to watch the musicals he really should have seen by now, and then we talk about them. I am the fiancé. And I'm Drew. Happy New Year to everyone. This is our first episode of 2023. Yes, indeed. It's very, very exciting. We hope you all had a wonderful holiday season. Hmm. This week is your birthday. Yeah. And... For our past two years, when we've been podcasting for your birthday, we've we've watched your favourite musical, Cats. <laughs> Cats is not my favourite musical, no, I would one, like to point out. It's one you really like. And two years ago, we celebrated with the 97 pro shot slash movie Cats. Mm-hmm. And last year, we watched the 2019 film Cats. Yes. We've run out of cats. Yes, there's no touring production near us or stage adaptation near us. So you said it would be a good idea to revisit something that we originally planned to talk about back in November. Mm -hmm. Why did you make that choice? Because the musical we're talking about today has the same plot as Cats, just slightly reversed. Quote unquote plot. Yeah. (laughs) yeah we've we've both seen this one because we watched it planning to cover it back in november so we're not going to do the traditional kind of spiel about it because i kind of really know about this one we're just going to go straight in to talking about this one Mm -hmm. this is basically cats but with a difference Cats, but the characters are different yeah in cats all the songs are the cats pleading their case to be killed to be the jellicle choice yeah but in Ride the Cyclone, they're not trying to die. They're trying to get a chance at another life. Yes. Yeah. So, secure all your items, <laughs> strap in, and keep your arms inside the vehicle. Because we're about to ride the cyclone, baby. Yes, indeed. We might never come back. Hmm. Well, one of us might. Mm, no, I doubt it. <laughs> I don't think I could make a compelling enough argument. You would be. Well, no, you wouldn't be. Because you're much more modest. But I was going to say, like, you would be the the first person who who, who sings. I know you can't see my face right now because this is a podcast, but Danny is no, trying to compare me to Ocean. Yeah, you, you're not Ocean. No, I am not. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks very much. It'll be interesting to talk about what role we'd want to play, because I feel like that is, like, the insert character for us and who we would want to root for. Mm-hmm. I mean... We start off by meeting Karnak. Yes, the amazing Karnak. I love the amazing Karnak. And mm-hmm. Karnak is one of those like fortune tellers that you see in Big that like reads your fortune. Yeah, he's a funfair fortune teller, animatronic, automaton. Precognition machine. Thing. Yeah. yeah. And he's on family fun mode. Mm-hmm. And we learn very quickly that he is going to die in a little over an hour because a rat named Virgil has been slowly chewing through his wires and will eventually release like 200 bolts of electricity and kill both of them. Yes. This is a nice introduction because it's very different to anything else I've seen Mm -hmm. where you have like this character talking to you, but it's all very stationary because it's a machine. Yeah. And Karnak is on stage the whole time with the whole mechanical box that he lives in on stage for the entire show. Yeah, and I I quite like this because, you know, it's very interesting. It kind of sets the tone quite well because it's comedy, but also quite like 
otherworldly and you're like curious mm -hmm. we learn that there are rules given to us by karnak that he says the armrest to the left is yours yep so you know armrest to the left is mine if you believe both are yours you are the problem mm -hmm. and then turn off your phone no one will get any life impacting calls except for one of you yeah which i do i like that little tongue-in-cheek thing mm -hmm. you know it's a really nice way to set the tone we learn that even though Karnak can talk to us as the audience, this is essentially him being like, I am the narrator. Yeah. Here's a little bit of info about me. So when he is in the real world, Karnak can only repeat the programmed fairground advertising. So he says, your lucky number is seven. You'll soar to great heights. Be sure to ride the cyclone. Yes. And the cyclone is like the roller coaster at this fun fair. And every every theme park has the roller coaster. Mm -hmm. The one that you queue two and a half hours for. That sweet, sweet three minute ride. Yeah. So yeah, very good exposition here. We kind of learn a little bit about this world. We have a really awesome set with this great digital display. And we're here because six teens have died. Yes, we are watching the, or we watched rather, the off-Broadway production of this. And it's the off-Broadway cast. So I, I did do a brief look and this has never come to the UK. No, I wish it would though. Which I is, like yeah, great. I feel like it, it would do well, but it's certainly like a Southwark Playhouse mm -hmm. or the Turbine Theatre. It's a smaller theatre that then hopefully maybe gets some buzz about it before, you know, going to the west end but it's yeah. a canadian musical as well so mm. we've never i don't know if we've actively talked about a canadian musical no because it opened in victoria and then moved to toronto yeah so could this be the great canadian hope i'm sure there are other like musicals that like are canadian musicals and we just haven't talked about it or you know made it apparent yet yeah so the musical actually opens with Jane Doe singing Karnak's Dream of Life. Yes. Which is a very, very short bit of music that has just such a nice sort of haunting melody to it. So it really it's sets the, the vibe. Yeah, because yeah, you've got this really awesome like violin that just goes in the background. Mm -hmm. um, as well as xylophone as well. It's like quite creepy but atmospheric. Yeah. So five of the teenagers that have died were from a small town choir from a town called Uranium. Yep. And the sixth one... Nobody knows. Nobody knows who she is because she was decapitated when the ride... <laughs> Went sour. Broke, I guess. So that's their sort of mystery contestant. Yeah, so that's our Jane so. Doe. Yeah. Who is very creepy. Mm-hmm. Certainly gives off like Wednesday Adams vibes. Nobody came to claim her when which she died, really which is sad. why she's Jane Doe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's quite sad. But you've obviously got these characters who know each other and don't necessarily know they're dead at this point as well. I think it's really interesting that when they start, they're not aware of their fate and what's happened to them. No, Karnak has to tell them. And then we get all these little introductions. So he goes through all five of the kids and is like, Ocean O'Connell Rosenberg, and then introduces her, and it's like, catchphrase, and she goes, democracy rocks. But there's a really nice thing where it's like everyone freezes and the lights change, we get like yeah. a lighting state change. It's it. very cartoony. Yeah, it's very, very good, and we get some nice, like, 
one-liners from some of the characters. Constance goes on to say, I hope I wiped my browser history. And I like that because that's usually a joke that one of the male characters would say. Mm-hmm. So I really like that that comes from Constance. Yeah. You know, I think that's a really nice spin on that mm-hmm. joke. Well, so the kids that we have, we have Ocean O'Connell Rosenberg, who is the like type A overachiever who thinks she's going to get out of this town and be amazing we have noel gruber who is the only gay kid in this small town of uranium and he's obsessed with french new wave cinema yep we have misha bakinski who is adopted from ukraine and is very sensitive at heart i think is the best way to describe him i really like him i like him because i didn't think we i would like him as much and no his outward persona is very at odds to what he's actually exactly uh we have ricky potts who starts the show out as a mute character he has some kind of degenerative disease uh but he has a very thorough internal life now interestingly enough one of the things i've learned about this show is that the script that uh, of a version is going to be going on this year, so 2023, they've actually changed that. Hmm. So he uh, no longer has a degenerative disease. He's only mute. Oh, okay, sure. So I, I don't know more than that. I don't know the context as to why. Hmm. Um, or if, if there's any other changes, I just know that that's a little tidbit. That is kind of a shame because we've had casts where he has been played by actors in a wheelchair. Maybe the reason for that is whoever they've cast isn't mm. appropriate for it. Sure. You know, and everyone's in mind of... I guess you'd rather have a true performance than a caricature, you That's know? it. And if, if you've got an able-bodied performer, mm-hmm. maybe it's not appropriate to cast some, you know, cast them in that role. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's talking a lot about representation and should be the right people. Yeah, for sure. So maybe that that's a change. Is they they found the right person they want for their vision. That's interesting. So interesting. And then yeah. the last kid that we have is Constance Blackwood, who is the nicest girl in town. Essentially, uh, she hates her town and she hates herself. She's very like Tracy Turnblad. I think that's the point. Yeah. Hence like, the quote, nicest girl That's in town. what I mean. It's an interesting observation because she is very Tracy from Hairspray. And she's uh, Ocean's best friend, but you don't always feel like that friendship it's is... It's a very unbalanced friendship. Exactly. So Karnak um, basically tells them what's going on. I also think it's interesting, like you say, the bit where they can step forward and say their catchphrase. That's him controlling them like puppets. Mm-hmm. So he does showcase his power over them. Yeah, we're all in limbo here. Yeah. So they get told about the game. Yes. So it's a game of life and death and they have to compete uh, for the chance to live again. I don't know whether it's a choice to be reborn, our accounts, or... If they get to just pick up. That's what I was going to ask. I don't know if it's clear how it works. I quite like that it's ambiguous and it lets us make up our mind. Uh, presumably due to the nature of like time and death. And if Karnak has got this power, he can literally put them in that moment. So that 
they can literally be the moment their souls left. Mm. They're awakened. Yeah. But then we'll talk at the end as to who wins it. But I think based on that, it probably is more likely that they're reborn as a new soul. I would assume so. Maybe it's their choice. And their I preference. hope so, because when we get to who actually does get to live, uh, I'm going to tell you some stuff about that character that you would not get from watching this yeah. show. We <laughs> get Jane Doe's entrance. There's a nice bit before we get the entrance where um, Karnak says they have three questions that they can ask and Ocean uses all three of them like that. Yes, do we? You know, because she's that obnoxious mm-hmm. kind of character. Jane Doe's entrance is brilliant. That her rigid movements are fantastic. Yeah. Again, very otherworldly and markedly different. Mm-hmm. So, because Jane Doe, the reason why she couldn't be identified is because she has no head. So, she carries this little doll with her. It's like a porcelain doll. Yes. And the doll is headless. And the actor, they haven't tried to make the actor look like they have no head. So instead, it's the doll head that is on Jane Doe. And the headless doll that's in front of her as if they've swapped. Yeah. Which is really cool effect because she has blackout lenses in. And so her eyes are completely black. She's painted like a porcelain doll. And she's got the perfect little ringlet hair. And it's so creepy but i love her but the other thing they do is some great sound design is as an echo in her voice mm. like she's very macabre and just again because she's projecting her voice through this porcelain doll yeah. like it's just really really cool it's she very very cool freaks everybody else out yeah because we... she's a weird dude <laughs> uh, we get someone say did anyone just pee themselves a little which mm-hmm. is brilliant but this is the other bit where we learn that ricky no longer needs his crutches which were named lady marzipan and dame judy dench hmm so Judy Dench, appropriately, name Maybe that's one. why, because it's the idea that in this afterlife there are no disabilities and that's kind of a little bit... Maybe. But that's, like, not a great inference. Yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah, because you'd having a character be fixed in the afterlife is, like, not... A good okay. message. No, exactly. You... you yeah, because you could make a lot of arguments for a lot of other, you know, it wouldn't be okay if this was changed from life to death. And it, it, it it's definitely something that maybe they, they've realised in hindsight mm-hmm. isn't actually needed. Yeah. So they all have a song as a chance to explain why they deserve to get another life. But the caveat is... There must be a unanimous vote. We don't know this yet. No. It's not until the end of Ocean's song yes. that this is found out. So this is where the cat's similarity comes in for us. Because we watched this show. Uh, I hadn't seen it. I'd listened to the soundtrack. Yeah. And as we were watching it, I was like, yeah, this is this is cats. But interestingly as well, what kind of prompted it at the time was obviously we we're thinking about Halloween. But also, this next song was a viral on TikTok. Now, I don't know if it still is. I am not a TikTok connoisseur like yourself. Mm-hmm. But we get what the world needs. I definitely don't hear it anymore. Yeah. I've not heard it, but I don't know if you're just playing your TikToks quietly. No, I haven't heard it recently. So we get what the world needs. So Ocean is 
the white sheep of her family, I yes. think is how they describe her. And her parents are like hippie, like revolutionists, yeah. essentially, who get high and stuff. And she is very straight-laced. And I like the role reversal there that, you know, usually you'd have like the straight-laced parents and the, you know, hippie kid. Mm-hmm. So she tells Karnak, like, okay, I'm not a huge fan of this idea, but I've seen enough reality TV to know what you want me to do here. And so she proceeds to sing the most self-centered song. Well, this is it, because she says she won't compete, and Karnak says, okay, she concedes. So she's like, oh, no, no. Hang on, no. (laughs) That was a tactic. I was just trying to appear humble and goes straight into this. Yes. She sings about how... She is the only person who is deserving of the second life because she was the only one who of them who was ever going to achieve anything. And she talks about all the failings of everyone else. Oh, and it's awful, yeah, because she really does just sell everyone else down the river. Of Especially like... her her best friend. She sings like soccer mom minivan kind of thing. Yeah. And then she says, do we really need another organ donor? Yeah. About her. And then she stops and she's like, okay, yeah, maybe that was too harsh. Sorry. There's a great bit at the end of the song where everyone's singing, they all have their masks of her. Yeah. And like turn around and have her. But this is great because mm-hmm. it's what the world needs is people like me. Yeah, it's such a good song. Why is it? Darwin had a theory, I'm the solution. <laughs> yes, there is a problem. I'm, I'm the, the solution. solution. Darwin, Darwin had, had a theory, theory called, called Evolution. It's such a good song. It's it's, it's my favourite song in this. It's the song that has stuck with me the most. There are some really great numbers in this one, but I think this is by far like the best song Mm -hmm. and i think it's good because it's early on and it's the first song when we get really into the plot yeah and you've had a lot of talking and exposition here and basically from here we're just going to go into song sequence after song sequence after song sequence Mm -hmm. so (laughs) she finishes her song and she's like so i win right because like not yet i'm gonna vote for me and you should vote for me and karnak's like Ah, no, it's group consensus. Did I forget to say that? And she's like, I just insulted everyone everyone here. You do really get the idea that Karnak doesn't like her already. Mm -hmm. There does feel like there's certainly a bias from Karnak. Yeah. And Noel, who is the next up, really doesn't like her. Yes. They do not get on. (laughs) Yeah. I I do like the bit where Ocean tries to suck up to all of them. She comes across very Rachel Berry. Well, so one of the best... uh, things i read when i was doing my research for this is imagine if the kids from glee were in final destination yeah (laughs) yes that's exactly what this is doing but there's also a great bit where she tries to do a song too before we go into noel's lament she's like i love you guys and she's trying to sing that and noel's just like nope that's it done Mm -hmm. takes over um just like he took over the nativity with waiting for godot yes which i loved that as a little reference as well Mm mm-hmm and, you know, he was born in the wrong town and the wrong era. Something yes. I think every single one of us can resonate with to a point. There's always been a time maybe where you feel like, you know, had I been born... In this place. In this place. Mm-hmm. Or in this this time period. We all have it. He was a novelist who never wrote a novel. Yeah. Like, again, some of these kids come across really pretentious. Like, it's proper teenage problems the musical Mm -hmm. each one of them thinks about their problem which in the grand scheme of it as they'll learn are not problems 
and I think this is very much sort of like being more chill in the way of like just be happy with what you've got yeah life is difficult but that's for everyone yeah <laughs> he says that his legacy is a Taco Bell menu item uh, because he worked for Taco Bell. They catered his funeral for free, which is fantastic, and they named a menu item after him. And he's like, that's my legacy. No, I'm the greatest author ever. That's not fitting of me. Yeah. And I really like this sequence, especially with like the simple choreography and the music. You've got like the accordion that helps give this Parisian vibe. Mm-hmm. It's it's a very interesting song. Like each one is very different stylistically, just like cats. Yep. And similar to Joseph. I love this one though. Yeah. I love all the songs in this. Like what the world needs is obviously a bop, but this one in particular I think is really cool because we get basically every time somebody sings, everybody else their behavior adjusts to fit their song like yes. they become the ensemble rather than staying as their own characters and so in this one you have uh misha playing the role of like the guy who would go to the moulin rouge i guess yes. is what we're going for here because what noel wants is to be basically out of one of these french new wave movies yeah like very seductive over the top and it's great and he so desperately wants to die a tragic death yeah this cold-hearted french prostitute yeah it's like if he was doing moulin rouge from nicole kidman's point of view mm -hmm. i can't remember her name Satine. Satine. yeah i want to say cosette i'm like no it's not cosette <laughs> that would be a way more interesting show is he coded as trans or non-binary or is it just from what i've read he's just gay yeah but i'm i think it can definitely be read that way yeah because what he wants is to be the the character of the french prostitute that he dresses up as is a woman yes that's so... why i wondered if you know this is almost in depth mm. he could finally admit however what he wanted. i don't think he would have ever seen any new wave movies that had a male main character in the style that he would want. Which is why be. he resonates with that role. It's, that's his insert character. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. It's a really nice song. I feel like this one does go a little bit on at times. Like, it's one of, for me, it felt like one of the longest, and it probably wasn't, but it just feels like it's a song that does just go on a little bit. It is quite slow compared to all the other songs. Guess who doesn't like this song? Ocean. <laughs> yes. Because it doesn't have a lesson. Yeah. And she uh, goes into every story. He's got a lesson. Mm -hmm. And I like how Misha replies with how Saw 5 has a lesson. And he does it really well. Like, yeah. And this is it. Because so far, his kind of vibe has been this, like, stoner. Typical jock stoner. Bad Super boy macho. Character. Like, and he's, you would think he was going to be a homophobe. Like, and he's not. He's actually really cool about these things. You know, I think this is one of the other things that this show does well is, is the whole... Juxtaposition of characters. Yeah, and not judging a book by its cover, you know, as people do, is, mm -hmm. you know, the person who on paper we would look at and think is the nicest is Ocean, and actually she's by far the vilest of all of them, which is nice. Yeah. There's a nice bit where Constance conjures porno music, 
and everyone's kind of like we're starting to learn more about these characters as well and you're starting to see them second guess what they know about each other ricky says it tells the story of where we came from and you know how porno is magical mm-hmm. and yeah even even now like surprisingly we learn that misha says it's not cool to be a homophobe and you know he's he's very open-minded which is awesome yeah speaking of awesome we get this song is awesome we get his song this song is awesome so misha is a really really interesting character because obviously he's got these layers to him and i think more than any other character with these layers because obviously we get the stuff with ricky where we go from this mute character to space age bachelor man but misha's is more internalized well i think with ricky space age bachelor man Mm -hmm. is his fantasy of himself well exactly whereas misha is like what he actually that's what i mean is space age bachelor man that he wouldn't necessarily be that Mm-hmm. If he wasn't mute. Yeah. Whereas this is, you know, Misha actually like the difference between what he mm-hmm. has to present and actually is. Yeah. So Misha was put up for adoption by his mother who was dying from radiation poisoning. Yes. And she lied about his age and said that he was two years old. <laughs> but he and... showed up with five o'clock shadow. Yeah. And said he's a teenager. <laughs> yeah. And his adoptive parents still took him in anyway. Yeah. Which but they did nice send thing. him to the basement. Yes, they gave him a basement room. Yeah. He did try to um, have a dalliance with his adopted mother. Yes. <laughs> but it's because he overcompensates for things by being, like, super flirtatious. Yes. He has a girlfriend back in Ukraine who he only talks to over the internet and everybody else makes jokes that it's, like, not her. But, yeah, he says about how uh, they met in his YouTube channel's comment section. Mm-hmm. Which, again, nice. Because oh, like, he's a gangster rapper. Yeah, but I, I like the fact that you've got, like, this, I say modern, but, you know, certainly, I'm sure this is changeable, that, mm-hmm. you know, if YouTube was dying a death, you could change this to TikTok. Yeah, or whatever, you, you know. know. Like, you could change that and that's quite nice. Mm-hmm. So it's a, his song is a mix up. So we have This Song Is Awesome slash Talia, which is his girlfriend. Yeah. When I rage, I rap about money in auto tune. Yep. He'd said something about how he was going to like swear, but then like his chorus contains no profanity and like he lied to us. Mm. But you know, it's, it's really. Oh yeah. Cause Ocean's like, Noel used profanity. He shouldn't be allowed to do that. And then Misha's like, don't worry, my song will contain only profanity. Yes, and I'm like... <laughs> She's really lying. upset about it. But I, I, He's not even rude. He just likes winding people up. That's it. And I know that I said with, like, Joseph in episode one that I, I disliked how there wasn't one consistent style to the show. But I like that here because it reflects different personalities of people. You mm. know, and I think that actually works very well in the same way with Six. You know, each person has a different style. And I did really like this gangster rap sequence. What I like is that it's in two parts because the Talia bit then loses the gangster rap. So that bit isn't too overdone. Yeah, this is the emotional side of him. That's how it. he really feels. I love that he's got like a dollar sign in the awesome that's on the backdrop. Yeah. Of the S, which is very mm-hmm. cool. And we see his like YouTube videos shown in the background as well. Yeah, you've got Talia on the screen. He turns and he's serenading her. Mm-hmm. And it's got almost like dreams. He steps in. This is cool because I like how he steps 
into the dream, into the video with Talia, and this is the world he wishes he could have. Yes, and the rest of the cast become... I think they become Talia. I think that's the point. They are dressed in more traditional, what I suppose is supposed to be Ukrainian yes. clothing. I don't know how accurate it is. It's probably not very. But they have these white skirts on, and when they lift them... The projection goes onto them, so we see Talia dancing, but across their skirts, which is such a cool effect. Very cool effect, absolutely. And it's a really, again, vulnerable moment because his rage has subsided through the power of rap. Mm. He can be vulnerable with us. Yeah. So Noel tries to talk him out of finding out the future and just kind of like... They, they, they seem to have connected hmm. in death, realising that they're not just the gay kid and the Ukrainian rapper. Yeah. Which is a really nice sentiment as well. Like, you know, on paper they shouldn't get along, but actually once they've allowed their true selves to be represented. I'd love to know why these guys were all in this choir. Yeah, maybe it's just Ricky like... Ricky especially? Maybe it's like extra credit or something. Ricky especially, because <laughs> he's mute. Oh, well, the thing is, they do look very glee, don't they, in terms of, like, you've got the Rachel Berry, and then I guess you've got Misha as your puck, who's this bad boy. Mm-hmm. And then... Kurt. Yeah, you've got Kurt with, with Noel, Constance being... Mercedes, I guess. Mercedes or any of the other girls that kind of blur into the background. Yeah. And then... Doesn't Tina start off with a fake stammer? Yeah. So maybe that's Ricky is like his way of trying to find a way to break the mutism. Yeah, but they make it clear that he is a mute. Like, he, it's not that he's pretending. Yeah, no, I know. Because they, they all act surprised when he can talk here. Mm-hmm. But interesting, isn't it? I, yeah. I, I like this bit where Ocean talks about how, oh no, we all died virgins. And there's this nice bit where... um. Karnak's like, would you like to tell everybody something, Constance? Yes. And everyone's like, what? All surprised. Yeah, she hooked up with somebody who worked at the theme park that they went to. Yeah. Um, he fast forwards Ocean talking as well, which is really nice. Oh, because she's really annoying, yeah. Like, you can really see the bias. He's here for everyone else. But again, it's quite nice as, like, this effect. Mm-hmm. He is all-powerful, which I liked a yeah. lot. Ocean gets minus 10 points for being a party spoiler, but then gets plus 10 again because it's like a very Jake move there. It's like, you are on minus 10. <laughs> nah, I'll give you 10 back. And this is where we get Ricky taking over now. He talks about chaos theory. Yep. I catch very little of it because it's so fast. Yeah, but it's meant to be, you know, we're sort of losing it because it's all of his internal complex kind of thing yeah coming out for the first ever time Mm -hmm. which is nice i mean like i feel like that's what would happen it would be this explosion of like i can finally speak and i've got a lot to say Mm -hmm. he uh lived in a house that had a silence pact he says so is he mute or was it just i have no idea everything says that he is it's the reason why he's mute is because of the illness that he has okay so i don't know whether they're going to change that for the 2023 
version. Yeah. Um, but in the version that we are watching, the reason he is mute is because of something that happened to him with the illness that he has. Yeah. So he kind of starts off his song mm-hmm. with with like the caveat of Ricky Potts, the most imaginative boy of all time. Mm-hmm. And I really like Space Age Bachelor Man. This might be my second favourite song because it's very Rocky Horror, but also very David Bowie. Yeah. He has created his own religion. Yes. Where he saves a race of anthropomorphic cat people. There's our cat link. Yep. Um, I like the way when they're these sexy cats, they sing meow. Meow, meow. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, what have I got myself into? It's great. It's great. I love that in his fantasy, even he's a bit freaked out by the cat people. Yeah. He's like, let's dance, kitties. Mm-hmm. And then they go behind the screen. You see like the silhouettes. Yeah, and it's because what he has to do to save the cat race is yeah. to help them have more cat babies. Yes. Because they're dying. So. But I also love it's the quick costume change into his, like, cat warrior gear. Yeah, he looks like, you know, Thundercats David Bowie. It's great. He's like, I can't fight because I'm a lover. Mm-hmm. And his final note that he sings in this, like, the final note of the song is just incredible. Yeah. It's just beautiful pitch. And it's just, again, it does really feel like this this soul that has been imprisoned finally getting out. Yeah. The sexy cat women of Zola. And then we get the nice awkwardness when all comes back and they're like, we thought you were quite wholesome. But sure. But then he does concede because he says it would be... Uh, a really bad move to be selfish and vote for himself. Yeah. So he's like, I concede. Yeah, him conceding um, was actually removed in some versions, though. The off-Broadway one, one that we're watching, was, I think, the last one. Why do you think that is? I actually quite like that they include that, that somebody does. Because he goes on about how he's not awesome in death. He's the same person he always was, that nothing's different, except he's fighting for a chance to reclaim a life that, he didn't particularly enjoy. Yeah. I think that's probably why. Is again, you the only character that is like, I don't want to live again, is the character who's disabled. Which again, does imply that the life they're being given is their life. Mm-hmm. But because Knowles had the funeral, because we know that Taco Bell catered it for free. They'll go back to they're before they die. back in time to before they die. So maybe it's like some divine interaction that will stop them from riding the cyclone. Mm-hmm. So, but again, maybe that's a thing that needs to be cleared up with the script is what life are they gaining back that you'll be reborn? Yeah. Because then him choosing to not live, like we said, is, again, interesting that it's the uh, disabled character who decides not to. And that possibly is not okay that, you know, you're saying that these lives aren't worth living as much as other lives. Yeah, exactly. And then maybe, you know, again, if if it was a choice of, you know, you get a brand new life. But his argument is, why do I deserve it? I'm only fighting for it now because I have a chance of it. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm still the same person I was. Yeah. 
It's Jane Doe's turn. Yes. Uh, one unidentified victim of the cyclone. So are only six people allowed to ride the cyclone at once? Is it a very small attraction? Or is it just that it happens to be like this one trolley that... I'm assuming it's the carriage that you ride in. Yeah. Because it's like a traditional... Uh, Roller coaster. Yeah. Final destination style. Yeah. We get the ballad of Jane Doe. And this song is gorgeous. Yes. So she... Her body was found in the wreckage. Yes. We don't know that Jane was on the cyclone, but she was found with the other kids. So she was presumed to be a member of their choir. Maybe she wasn't. She's not. Yeah. When we find out who she is, she she wasn't. Is a it a very bones choir. type thing of it's like just somebody who was She was just there. Yeah. Also she was riding the ride with them. Uh, we don't know. She could have been on the ride. She could have just been walking past. Yeah. Because what happened was the carriage came off the rails. And decapitated, like maybe a bit of shrapnel. Mm. Like went flying. Yeah, this song is great. Her voice is amazing. The orchestration's brilliant. And ultimately, her wish is Jane Doe just wants to know who she is. Yes. So her whole question with this song, is everybody else is singing about their lives and how are their hopes and dreams. And she's singing about like, yeah, but I don't have any of that. I don't have anything. I don't even know when my birthday is. Yeah. And, oh, the way that they do this song. It's very cabaret. Not the musical, but just cabaret yeah, style. Yeah, but she starts flying mm. and it's just incredible. Like, I love this sort of seesaw that they've got her on where she goes up into the air, but the fact that she then spins. Yeah. It's, it's so like The lifting cool. and, every, and moving around is brilliant. Mm-hmm. It does but she's like more. literally untethered yeah. like the rest of them are. Yeah. And it's a really nice moment because it goes from this really somber, sad moment, something quite triumphant. Mm-hmm. And we get a blackout and there's these illuminated umbrellas and it just looks brilliant. Yeah. It's and just then, such a cool it, way of showing this story. Yeah. And it leads to a really lovely moment that it's one of the few songs in this that isn't a... I'm telling story. We get the new birthday song where the choir all sing this song for Jane. Mm-hmm. It's not going to catch on. I mean, it's not going to replace the iconic no, but happy birthday. But it's Ocean that rallies everybody else. It's to really do nice. This. It's a really nice moment where all of them learn something about themselves and are just kind. Mm-hmm. It's nice. They give her a cupcake with a candle in it. With a candle. Uh, Misha thinks Noel came up with Love Conquers All. Yep. <laughs> I really like their bond. It's one of the, my favourite things of this, like two characters who weren't bonded in life mm-hmm. have found something in the afterlife. Ricky offers Jane a name. Yes. Uh, Savannah? Yeah, he was saving it up. It's Savannah. Mm-hmm. I know what he was saving it for. One of his cat women. Probably. Which is weird because it's like, is he implying like, I'm in love with you, Savannah? Maybe. It's more that he's like, it's a special name. I was saving it up. But you could have it because you kind of deserve it. Yeah. And then we get a nice bit where Constance goes up to Ocean and says it was uh, nice of Ocean to do that for Mm -hmm. Savannah. And Ocean says it was sad and Constance wants to vote for Jane. Yeah. And Ocean claims that she would then vote for Constance if it wasn't a unanimous vote. Mm Mm-hmm. But again, it feels very manipulative. Like, it's like, 
you don't feel that Ocean means it because she's trying to rally Constance to vote for her. Yeah. And this leads to Constance to stand up for herself. Finally. Because it's like, okay, do you know what? I'm I'm done with being your lapdog. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she talks about how the cyclone was her favourite ride. She was nicest girl three years in a row. But she threw away this trophy because she was miserable and she lost her virginity in a porta potty three hours before she died. And we get Sugar Cloud. Made me th- I initially wrote down Sugar Rush. I think I was thinking of Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah. You know, she talks about how she had pride in the town until high school and then she lost her faith in everything. And she feels like she deserves this because she became resentful and she shouldn't have. And she's a bad person because of this resent. Mm. she talks about the accident she says it was exhilarating that she no longer felt shame for loving the town she lived in and I love the bit where she like pulls her hair down takes centre stage and plays the recorder as everyone headbangs it's this really like cathartic moment for her yeah and we get a nice bit of like explosion of confetti for her at the end mm-hmm. In I, I really like that we don't have Constance before Jane Doe. Yeah. I actually think this is really important that this is the order we we do the songs in. Because I feel like it'd be too standard and expected. Like, it, the fact that Jane came before Constance shocked me when I was watching this. Mm-hmm. So I like that bit. And it's really nice that it then ends with that. And again, Constance doesn't feel like uh, I want to win this. It's more just like, I'm at peace. Yeah, hers is just sort of minutely hopeful. Mm. It's time to vote. Yep. I was going to go, what time is it? <laughs> it's time, time to, to vote. vote. Karnak changes the rules. And he says that instead of it being a unanimous vote, now the vote belongs to Ocean. Yes. Just her. And they also only have five minutes left until Karnak dies. Mm-hmm. And Ocean says they have to honour the original system. Otherwise, what's the moral? Yeah. Which... She's obviously very forthright. Yeah. Things. She likes stuff to be the way she it was explained to her. Yeah, exactly. And she goes on about how she has finally figured out the riddle from the start... Yeah. And that she could never vote for herself. Mm-hmm. And she votes for Jane and everyone agrees with this. And it's like, yeah, it should be Jane. Yeah. Which it, it should be. Is this where you want to talk a little bit more about Jane's life? Sure. So. Because <laughs> we learn her name as well. Yeah. Her name is Penny Lamb. She is from Jacob Richmond, who wrote Ride the Cyclone has a play called Legoland. Yes. And, or Legoland, comma, a vaudeville routine in one act. And it's about uh, siblings called Penny and Ezra Lamb, who are homeschooled by their parents in a commune near Uranium City. Blimey. So that came before this. Ride the Cyclone premiered in 2008. Yeah. Legoland was published in 2009. However, they're pretty... Similar. Similar in 
around about when they were written. So Penny Lamb and Ezra Lamb, her brother, the place where they live, the commune, is also a huge marijuana farm. Yeah. And it's called... Uh, well, so the way that they describe everywhere that isn't their commune is called Legoland. Yeah. And they're just, like, dying to go there. They want... They want to go and see the world. They want to go and, like, enjoy life. Their commune gets busted. They get sent to this private Catholic school. Implied to be the same school that is the school that these guys come from. Yeah. But we're not sure. They are instant social outcasts. Nobody really likes them. There's characters that are similar to characters from Ride the Cyclone. There's a character called Johnny Moon, who is a misogynistic gangster rapper. And so, like, there's some influences there between characters. So, again, maybe that implies that they're not even themselves in death, that their names have changed. Mm -hmm. So it could be that that's Misha. Well, it's not supposed to be. Or maybe it's just one of Misha's gang. Yeah. You know, it's like referencing that there's this kid here at this school and because he wouldn't be the only gangster rapper i'm sure he'd have like a group of friends who would be like Mm -hmm. similar scene yeah so she runs away from the school and attacks a celebrity who she thinks has like who she was basically in love with it's like a musician that she really fancied and he's changed his style so she runs away to try and like fix him <laughs> and then she gets arrested for assault on this celebrity and then she's brought back to uranium and she has to dress in her private school uniform again and give speeches to teenagers about basically like juvenile delinquency it's like the scared straight program type thing where you're like you don't want to go to jail because you don't know the horrors i've seen yeah but the inference here is that she's giving one of these speeches at the theme park. Yeah. For some reason. And then as she's talking... <laughs> gets... She either gets to ride the cyclone while they're here or... with these other kids. Or she's just standing there giving one of her like sermons, essentially, yeah. and she dies. That's awful. But that's who she is. Doesn't sound like a great life. No, it really doesn't. And, you know, what we get is the song It's Not A Game... And we I'm have so in love with this song. It's not a game, it's just a ride. It's yeah. just such a nice song because the opening of it is quite sad. They're all talking about like... Because they're left in the dark at this point. Karnak's yeah. dead. Yes. Um, <laughs> he, he's promising us final wisdom, but he can't because we get like the explosions of the rat finally like snaps through, just like he promised. Virgil. Mm-hmm. Which again, the fact that that happens, it's like there's legitimacy. This isn't just being seen. This It's true. Yeah. And as they're singing this, because the song is really somber, but we get this beautiful, like, um, digital display that shows us Penny's life, including the rest of her life, and that she goes on to have a happy life. That it's like you made the right choice. She's deserving. She makes the most of this. Yeah. Because you don't see any negativity, which again maybe implies it is a brand new life. Because I think you see from birth. Mm-hmm. So it's very... I think it is a new life. I would hope it's a new life. Yeah. So it is kind of like Cats in a way, like, who gets 
you know, who, who's the Jellicle choice that gets reborn into a new Jellicle cat? Mm-hmm. It's never going to be Gus, is it? Yeah. Who's the Gus in this one? I mean, who who would you say is the closest to each cat in this one? I haven't thought about it. <laughs> no, me either. Because Karnak starts to short out, he's just saying, ride the cyclone, ride the cyclone. Yeah. The kids are singing their sad song. And then it turns into the really upbeat, it's just a ride. Yes. Which I love. And it has such a nice rhythm and rising to it. So it sounds like riding a roller coaster as well. And the choreography matches that really well as as well, mm-hmm. because it's it's very cool to watch. Yeah. And we end with them turning to face the sort of void that is behind them and... Walking into it together. Very Ghost Whisperer. Yes. <laughs> into the unknown. Pretty much. I found it very difficult to give an MVP to this one. Yeah. Because they're all very good. Like, they are all very, very talented performers. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, I'm not... I'm not sure. I think the person I'm going to go with is Jane Doe because I think the mannerisms and everything are very very cool and how like unnerving she makes people mm-hmm. but each one of them were brilliant yeah they're all very interesting characters and I don't ever feel like one person gets more development than the others you know I feel like it, it is quite balanced out mm-hmm. who's your MVP I think I agree with you with Jane Doe, there's a lot more. She's just a really deep character. Like yeah. the more you think about it, the more tragic she gets. And the more you find out about her, the more tragic it gets. I think so. And especially because she starts off quite like almost as a joke character. Yeah. You know, and everyone's scared of her and it's one note. She's so doll-like at the beginning. She gets more human the more time she spends around the other kids. Yeah. Yeah. What's your best song? What the World Needs or Space Age Bachelor Man. Yeah. Because I think they're both really fun, different songs. But they're all really good. I think the only one I've said is a skip song is the new birthday song. Because mm. it's, it, it's a nice song, but I wouldn't want to listen to it again. Yeah, I would agree with that. So what would you say your best songs? Same as me or? It's not a game, it's just a ride or the ballad of Jane Doe. Yeah, they're close up there for me. It's very difficult to distinguish Mm -hmm. because they're great, great songs. The role I said I wanted to play is Karnak Mm. because I'd like to be that character. I think it's a very interesting character and obviously, you know, I'd have to sing and dance. I'd just get to be... Karnak in Karnak. the suit. But I think if I had to be one of the choices, mm-hmm. uh, realistically, the only one I feel I could do is Ricky. Mm-hmm. But even then, like if the script is remaining how we saw it, it's not appropriate. Like yeah. realistically, Karnak is the only character it's appropriate for me to play. Mm. But, I think Ocean would be fun to play in that sort of Rachel Berry kind of way. Yes. But her energy is so high for the entire show. I You've feel like it would be knackered. stressful to play. <laughs> You've chosen the high energy character versus me, who's chosen the lowest energy character. Mm-hmm. Would you not want to be Jane Doe then? Because that's who I thought you were going to say you'd want to be. I would love to, but she's 
such a soprano. <laughs> I can't do that. Yes, but then we always talk about this and you know that I can't sing. I know, but like when we talk about Phantom of the Opera, yeah. I the only role I could feasibly play in Phantom of the Opera would be Raoul because he's the only one whose vocal range I could sing. Yeah. So I like to think about stuff like that. No, I, I get that. And it's the same, like, it's a little bit of fun. We know we're not casting ourselves in this for real, as cool as it would be. How many stars? Before I talk about my stars, I'm going to just quickly talk about Twitter and Instagram because mm. a lot of people haven't seen this one on both platforms. Um, 40... Which is totally understandable because yes. while there is a pro shot, it's very difficult to get hold of. Yes. I would love to say we will post a link, but we will probably get <laughs> blocked for doing that. Yeah. And it, it's one that I would love to see get a bigger platform because mm-hmm. I think it's a very fun show. But, you know, if you go to Wikipedia and you look at productions... I recommend going on TikTok and watching clips from it because yes. most of the songs are on there and it does have a huge following. So I wish it would be more prominent. It's quite a short show as well. Mm-hmm. This and is a, quite a short episode too. Well, in so. the same way that I don't know how long Goosebumps would be as a full show mm. because it's it's designed... Um, it's not designed for, but a lot of younger casters have done it, almost like a, you know, junior show. Yeah. But you could have, like, a really nice double bill mm-hmm. of this and Goosebumps, I think. Like, I think the two shows go hand in hand, like, really interesting vibes. So on Instagram, 46% of people said they'd never seen it. Yeah. 9% of people said no, they didn't like it. But 45% of people said yes, they liked it. So a very even split with those who haven't seen it. On Twitter, 29% of people said they'd never seen it. 7% said it's okay. 64% of people said, yes, it's what the world needs. So people who've seen this do like it. And I gave this five stars because I really enjoyed it. It's fun, but it's also like tragic and makes you reflect. Yeah. You know, it's not necessarily going to be one of those musicals that I think goes to the Tonys and wins everything but i do think people would really like it and there's Mm. definitely a market for this one you know southwark playhouse turbine theater in in london could absolutely do justice with this one i'm sure there's loads of other theaters that could do it i'd love to see this one live so five stars for me what about you a hundred percent five stars i love this show I love the way that it deals with death. I know we've compared it to cats. I will continue to compare it to cats. It's a tongue-in-cheek thing, but it does have the same idea. Prince, like, at its core. Yeah, I'm sure there are other, again, other musicals where this same kind of idea happens. And stories, you know, how many different versions of It's a Wonderful Life have there been that Mm. it's just not that story? Or it's that story, but not It's a Wonderful Life. But obviously the Muppets one is the best one. I don't know, Shrek Forever After is pretty good. (laughs) But the way that this deals with the death aspect, comparing it to Cats, is so much better handled because there's this acceptance of that's just who we are as people. We did the thing and now we're not doing the thing anymore. And that's kind of where we're at. Instead of the, you know, Cats all... <laughs> wishing for death. <laughs> like, well, this is it. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I, I like to know if people agree that the right choice was made here. With cats, I 
don't think the right choice was made. But I do think there's very much the parallel between somebody who on the outside, certainly to the choir at the start, they thought, well, she doesn't stand a chance. Mm-hmm. And the Jellicles were certainly like, Grizabella's not going to win. She's mm-hmm. not one of us. Yeah. And by the end, they all agree, oh, they really do need it the most. But here, I genuinely feel they make the right choice in Cats. Mm-hmm. It should be Gus. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, poor old Gus. Definitely. A really solid start to our 2023, just like last year, uh, where we started with Tick, Tick, Boom. You know, and we, we bookended 2022 with two five-star shows. We're going to do that this year. I mean, we still don't know what our final episode of the year is yet, but uh, I will be keeping a, a, a note ready for our year in review. And mm-hmm. thank you to everyone who's listened to it. Um, Elena sent me a message saying that she was really sorry she couldn't contribute. She sent me some voice notes that I can't load. So I'm really sorry, Elena. Um, if you do, obviously, um, if you've missed uh, the deadline for your year in review for 2022, you can still get in touch with us. We'd love to hear thoughts and feedback on that. And a lot of love for our Matilda episode as well, which is very cool. And I realised after we edited that episode and kind of put it out there that we don't get it in the UK on Netflix until the summer. Yeah. So if you are in the UK and you've not watched Matilda yet, go to a cinema and watch it because that will be your only choice. But Mm -hmm. if you're in America or other territories, definitely log on to Netflix and watch it. It's your birthday month. It's January, (laughs) as you coined in the car on the way home. I love it. I know that we have this week's choice, which was your cat's choice. What's next week's choice? Next week, we are watching the Disney animated Peter Pan. Yes, Tony uh, at Theatre Flashback 1 is going to love this one. Um, Peter Pan, and we'll talk about this, I guess, next week, is a story that's incredibly important to you. Uh, two years ago for your birthday, I bought you a 5e compatible Neverland, oh which we can talk about mm-hmm. a little then because you're planning a campaign for us. But you're, I, I know that you're not the biggest fan of this Peter Pan. Yeah. And we'll talk about that next week. Have you decided what you want to watch for our last uh, January episode yet? Or are you still kind of pondering the poison you're going to inflict me with? Not yet, but I'll let you know. (laughs) I know that we've already got some exciting uh, shows on the horizon as well, because we were very lucky to be gifted uh, tickets to one of the hottest shows in London for March, Mm -hmm. which I guess is appropriate. That's my birthday episode when we'll launch. It will be... Our visit to the Moulin Rouge. Yeah. Very excited for that one. That was a very exciting Christmas present from my mother. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure there's going to be some really brilliant live theatre on the horizon and hopefully some great musical films. Hmm. Who knows what 2023 brings. But if there's anything you'd love to hear us talk about, be it old or new, get in touch with us over on It's a Musical at twitter and instagram you know we're always looking for new musicals and i I genuinely think we've nearly really finished the list that you set up with we're soon going to be doing the dreamworks animated series and we'll soon be doing um the barbie musicals god who knows there is only one barbie musical it is barbie princess and the pauper and we are definitely going to watch it at some point it doesn't surprise me that since doing this just how deep this musical ocean goes. 
Yeah. Like, it really doesn't surprise me. Well, when we started, you were like, oh, we're going to be done with that list pretty quickly. Yeah, I thought Pandemic Perfect will be done by the end of the pandemic. And here we are, nearly three years old. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can also email us on itsamusicalpod at gmail.com. As always, you can subscribe to us on a multitude of good podcasting platforms. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on the Google Podcasts app, on the Amazon Music app under the podcast section of the library. You can find us on Stitcher, Good Pods, and our OG hosts, Podbean. And it's the new year, so why not help us get to number one in those charts? 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Get us to number one in those charts. Share us with a friend. Subscribe. And leave us a review on any of those great platforms or podchaser.com. Mm-hmm. I think we have uh, bought in 2023 on an absolute high. But who knows if this year will be just like a roller coaster from Ride the Cyclone. Until next week, where we will see you the same bat place, same bat channel. Have a magical musical Monday.